Good morning, Anchor Lincoln. I am so thankful we had a bumper video this week because last week Dan did not get a bumper video and he so suave transitioned on stage in complete silence and I was like, I can't do that. I'm not at that level yet. So please have a bumper video. So thank you, Anchor, for covering me on that one. Also, I just want to give a quick shout out to, to Omar. Mason already sung his praises, but this morning I'm especially thankful for him. I um, forgot to hit send on my sermon slides while he was camping, and so he was scrambling to get that prepared for me, and that's why we started worship a little late. So that's on me. I take full ownership. Thank you, Omar. Give him a high five afterwards. He has earned it. So... Uh, If we haven't met before, my name is Joseph Chung. I serve here uh, at Anchor Church as a whole as a board member. Then my wife and I are core team members here specifically at Anchor Lincoln. We live two blocks down the street. So this is our hood. We love this place. Um, And if we have met before, you've probably seen me. I was here just a couple weeks ago, actually. Um, Normally, I'm invited to, to teach probably once a quarter. Um, right now, uh, Pastor Matthew's on paternity leave, so we're coming up a little more frequently to cover his leave. Um, but I'll give you the real scoop on why I'm here so soon back to back. The real reason is Matt scheduled me to actually teach September 10th. So a couple more weeks. You, it would have been like more like a month apart that I would have been teaching. Um, that's the last Sunday before he comes back from his paternity leave which is awesome. Um, But he forgot that is the beginning of my paternity leave. And so I texted him, you know, that's not going to work, dude. Um, And thankfully he rescheduled me to this week. But on top of that, uh, my wife and I just found out we will probably be uh, delivering even earlier, potentially next week. So this really might be my last uh, hurrah for a while. So uh, I'm really glad it worked out. But um, we are internally freaking out. It's our first kid. We're having a baby boy named Wells. Um, So please pray for us. (laughs) Please pray for us. (laughs) Um, But yeah, if you see me next time in a little bit, you know, I'm like more gray hairs, really deep bags under my eyes. Just give me a pat on the back and be like, you're going to, you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So Uh, If you've been with us uh, for the last two weeks, we're in week two of our new sermon series called Draw Near, uh, in which we're breaking down various spiritual practices or disciplines that are available to us in order to come closer or to approach God. So last week, Dan Samuelson, he brought the word regarding the spiritual practice of prayer. Great way to kick us off. Um, But we're going to do things a little differently today um, by jumping right into the passage. And I'm going to actually have y'all guess which spiritual practice we're talking about today. Uh, I joked with my wife last night. I was like, you know, those professors or teachers in school that gave you a pop quiz, but told you that there was going to be a pop quiz. Um, I am one of those teachers. So you're welcome. So let's jump right into the text. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. So I'll give you a minute to to flip to that if you have a physical Bible. Otherwise, we'll have the scripture on the screen. So Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37, it reads, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. All right. Answer time. What do you think today's message is about? Which spiritual practice? Anyone got any guesses? Brave enough? Oh, acts of service. That's a really good one. Yes. That's not the right answer. Sorry, Josh. And you're a teacher too, so that probably hurts extra. So, <laughs> no. Mercy. Yes. Yes. I love that. Uh, you're also wrong. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, yeah, when we read this text so often, we're focusing on, you know, the, the, the heading of the passage in the Bible is the parable of the Good Samaritan. We're thinking, you know, it's about mercy, acts of service, all the things that you replied in. Um, and it is, it is about that indeed. But for today in drawing near in spiritual practice, we're actually going to focus less on the answer that Jesus provides to the parable and more on the question that the expert in the law raises to Jesus. The thing that kicks off this whole passage, where did this parable even start from? Why did this need to be shared? And so to help um, kind of give you a better picture of the importance of this interaction between the expert in the law and Jesus the teacher, I'm going to share a funny story with you uh, from my past. So the summer I was going into my sophomore year of college at Wazoo, go Cougs. Um, uh, there was this girl that I wanted to date, and I went to her parents' house to ask her uh, parents if I could have their blessing or their permission to date her. Uh, some of you might be going, you know, oh, you're so old school. Like, are you serious? Uh, yes, I, I am old school in general, um, old soul for me. But it was also important for me, um, one, personally, from a respect standpoint with parents coming from a Korean culture, but also uh, I knew that her dad specifically was really important to her. Um, they had a really close relationship. 
And so one night after dinner, um, you know, we're, we're cleaning up and then all of a sudden he like scurries away and he's just gone. It's just us cleaning up after dinner. And a little bit later, he uh, comes back down and summons me to the upstairs living room. And I'm like, this is where I die. <laughs> this is the end. Um, he summoned me. This guy was the one of the silliest people. I've ever met. Um, he calls me to the upstairs living room. He opens the door. And he says, come in. And it's dark. It's pitch dark. Except one single lamp in the corner of the room by the couch. And he's sitting next to it. And I'm, again, I'm like, I'm going to die. This is it. It's super funny in hindsight, but I was definitely super scared. Um, and he essentially interrogated me for about an hour uh, with pen and notepad in hand. Uh, he was joking, but also pretty serious, and I definitely felt that. Um, but you see, he, he was interrogating me because he wanted to ask me some questions. He wanted to ask me you know, hey, what, what do you like about my daughter? Why are you attracted to her? Um, what is your intent for dating my daughter? Why are you even here to ask me? And how are you going to go about it? How are you going to date her well? How are you going to get to know her better? He wanted to understand what my relationship with his daughter was going to be like. So first of all, hashtag dad goals. Uh, I have learned a lot from this person, and I will definitely carry that story for the rest of my life. I don't know if I'm going to do that to my own child one day, but maybe. We'll see. Um, but secondly, th these are some of the same questions that we have to ask ourselves about our relationship with Scripture and the Bible. The questions of, what's our posture towards it? What's our intent with it? And what's our plan to tackle it? And so let's start with that first foundational question. What is our posture towards the Bible? On one side of the spectrum, is it pride? And on the other side, is it humility? We go back to verse 25 and it reads, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In verse 29, he comes back and says, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And so this expert in the law, or for short, we could call him a lawyer, you know, he, he knew the law inside and out. He could recite it for days, he could run circles around you regarding the law. And there's a reason in this passage they don't call him by whatever his name was. They call him an expert in the law. Like there's, there's weight behind that. But you see, he had so much knowledge about scripture, but really at the end of the day, he didn't know God very well. This guy, he wanted to read over scripture rather than submitting under scripture. And that's not just him. That's us too, right? 
he prioritized being made right, or he prioritized being right about something about scripture over being made right by scripture by submitting under it. You see, in 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 2, it reads, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. It's saying that knowledge alone, it it can puff us up. It can actually end up being the barrier to us drawing near to God. Who would have thunk that knowing too much, not focusing on what the purpose is, could actually be a deterrent for us in drawing near to God. And you see this in the parable as well, the example of the priest and the Levite. These are two people that knew the law really well, who were super obedient to the law. Yet they were the ones that passed over the wounded man. They knew the rules. And they didn't know God in that moment. And so far, it goes to say in verse 37, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. You see, that, that's the weight of the, the parable of the Good Samaritan at the end where Jesus asks, okay, yeah, which of the three? Which of the three is the one that you should live like? And the, the lawyer, he can't even get himself to say it was the Samaritan. He says, the one who had mercy on him. That's significant because the Samaritan, in this audience that Jesus was teaching to, the Samaritan was a hated racial minority. We don't talk about the Samaritans. We don't consider them in any good light. And so that's why it was so hard for him to even admit and say the good Samaritan. He said the one who had mercy on him. And so we see here that we have to have humble posture towards the Bible, first and foremost. That's the foundation. Otherwise, we end up trying to read over Scripture to just boast our knowledge rather than actually submitting to it and being transformed by it. And so posture, we know, it affects intent. You know, whatever's in here is what comes out, ultimately. And so if posture affects intent, that leads us to our second question about the Bible. What is our intent with the Bible? Is it deceitfully get ours to make ourselves better to get what we want out of it? Or is it to sincerely get to know God? What is our intent? We go back to verses 25 and 29, and it reads, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You see, the lawyer, he wanted, as we say, the gift without the giver. He wanted to know, How do I get to eternal life? Not necessary to know God, just for himself. And so he he desired eternal life without wanting a relationship with God. 
because he just knew the law. He was like, this is how I get it. This is how I get mine. I'm good. And, and I'll admit, my, um, my family growing up in the States, we immigrated here when I was three. We were dirt poor. My dad was doing his PhD. Um, my mom was taking care of three kids at home. We didn't speak the language. Um, it was hard growing up. Uh, we didn't have much. And frankly, that led us um, to believe some false truths uh, around the church. And at one season, we definitely were captivated by um, what theologians call the prosperity gospel um, or the health and wealth gospel, um, talking about how you know, if you give enough, if you serve enough, if you believe enough, like you will be rewarded with health and wealth and whatever your heart desires, you will get yours. That is unequivocally false. Um, just stating that outright. That is not what God calls us to, and that is not what he promises. And that is an overreach and misunderstanding of the gospel. But it's tempting, right? It's tempting it's, there's this desire in us to kind of want this transaction with God of, if I do this, you'll give me that, right? There's this deceitful intent. And then secondly, the, the lawyer asks, and who is my neighbor? You see, the lawyer, he knew the law so well that he wanted to find loopholes in the law because he didn't want to be fully obedient to it. He just knew it really well. And so New Testament scholar R.T. France, he, he says it this way, that the lawyer, the questioner, however, focuses only on the second, more directly ethical principle. As a lawyer, he wants his obligations spelled out with the limits clearly defined. How often do we find ourselves in that position as well? Where we're like, no, spell it out for me. I want to know exactly what's okay and what's not okay. We want to skirt around the law. We don't want to accept fully what Jesus calls us to. And you see, in the Old Testament, neighbor it actually meant usually a member of one's own community, one's own people group, a fellow Israelite. And so it was assumed that the same standards between neighbors, your own people, your own race, that that didn't apply to people outside of that. And so I, I don't necessarily blame the lawyer here for asking that question. But the thing is, at the end of the day, what Jesus is asking and has prescribed to us is that everyone is our neighbor. Everyone in need and anyone in need. Doesn't matter what race, doesn't matter where you're from, what your background is, doesn't matter how different you are from me. Everyone is your neighbor. But we try to find loopholes around that. And so if we don't have a humble posture and a sincere intent toward the Bible, it frankly doesn't matter how you go about reading the Bible. It really doesn't. It's futile. 
You can try as hard as you want, but if you don't have humble posture and sincere intent, it's not going to take us very far. But you see, it's so easy for us to jump to that step of just read your Bible because of our, you know, do, do, do culture. Like you do this, this will happen, quick fix. But we have to establish the foundation of humility and sincerity first. We have to have a humble posture towards the Bible and sincere intent with the Bible. And once we have the right posture and intent, we can then ask ourselves the third question. What's our plan to tackle the Bible? Is it aimless or is it intentional? You see, um, one of my favorite places, my happy place, you know, some people say their happy place is Disneyland, Disney World, or wherever. Mine is the uh, driving range at Meadow Park Golf Course here in South Tacoma. Look at that sunset. It is beautiful. They have lights. I can be there late at night when no one's there and just hit balls till, till my heart's content. And you see, for those of you who are not familiar with golf, because I've made golf analogies before and they have landed pretty flat, so I'm sorry, I just can't help it. Um, but when you, when you walk up to a, a driving range, you'll see people hitting balls, but if you look closely, they're all hitting them a little differently. Not, not because, I'm not talking about their swing or, or what club they're hitting. I'm talking about how they go about hitting the ball. You see, when you see someone with this thing, this is called an alignment stick or an alignment rod. When you see someone with one of these, you know, oh man, they're the real deal. They know what they're doing. And I will admit, when I ordered this, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago, my wife was like, what are you gonna do with that? And I haven't used it very much because I'm not the real deal. I just, I have four of these guys, but I'm not the real deal. So I'm just saying I'm with you here. Um, but you walk up and you see someone who has this laid down on the ground in front of them, right behind the ball. And they're using this to check themselves, to make sure what they're aiming at, what they're practicing towards is actually coming out correctly. It's true that whatever I'm aiming this at, that my shot is actually ending up coming out like that because that's my intent. They're checking themselves. They're using this as an aid. And so I share that analogy to, to, to state that you need to have an intentional practice plan. You need to have... Uh, an actual intentional and not aimless plan to tackle the Bible. It's what requires it. It's super complex. It's difficult, especially for those of us that didn't come out of seminary. And so you need an intentional practice plan. And so to share with you, my intention with the Bible this past year has been, how do I get a better understanding of the, the books in the Bible that aren't talked about as much? 
how do I understand how that weaves into the larger picture? Because honestly, it's really easy for me to read the parts of the genealogy and other texts that kind of are going yada, yada, yada about historical context and be like, ah, you know, I can glaze over that. Like, let's just jump to, to, the, to the meat. But that's not the intention that Jesus had. The whole Bible exists for a reason, right? Otherwise, he could have made this thing like a 10-page pamphlet. Like, but there's a reason every book in here was included, every text. And so with that intention, one of the tools that I've been using, one of my alignment aids, um, has been something called the Bible Project. Um, many of you probably know it or use it, have heard of it. But I'm going to be honest with you, in 2000, what was it, 14, um, when the Bible Project was created and released, um, I dismissed it. That was when I was in college. Uh, it was founded by Tim Mackey and John Collins based in Portland. It's a nonprofit, crowdfunded Bible teaching and learning resource. Um, but I dismissed it back then as, what, college freshman, sophomore, because I was like, videos? Animations? Those are for kids. I'm an adult. I was not an adult. I was, what, 18, 19? I didn't know anything. Um, but I dismissed it because I thought it was a silly tool. I thought it looked like that little thing. I was like, I don't need that. Like, I'm fine. I'm on a good track. I thought it was rudimentary when people kept hiding, piping it up. But you see, a tool like that for me, it helps me not get lost in the weeds. It helps me to understand what was the intention of every piece in this text and how it weaves into the bigger story and actually how it makes the rest of the story even more profound. One of my favorite authors, Francis Chan, he has this quote in his book, Crazy Love. He says that we never grow closer to God when we just live life. It takes deliberate pursuit and attentiveness. It takes deliberate pursuit and attentiveness. We cannot just go about reading the Bible haphazardly and without any intention. It won't stick, won't get us far. And so I encourage you, figure out how, how you are going to have an intentional practice plan. How are you going to tackle it? How are you going to break it down into sizable pieces? And so to recap the three questions we should ask ourselves when it comes to the Bible, it's one, what, what is our posture towards it? Two, what is our intent with it? And three, what is our plan to tackle it? And so if we're talking about posture and intent and a plan, then we can then conclude that drawing near to God through Scripture requires humility, sincerity, and intentionality. Drawing near to God through Scripture requires humility, sincerity, and intentionality. But let's be honest, we all have different relationships with the Bible, whether it's young or old. Some of us, um, the Bible is really daunting. Like, it's a huge, complex text. For some of us, the Bible is really offensive. We don't agree with it. A lot of times we read something and we say, mm, that's wrong. Mm, I don't agree with that. I don't think so. 
for some of us, the Bible is twisted. We've been hurt by it. People have weaponized it against us. Preached, used verses out of context to attack others. And so knowing that we all have different relationships with the Bible, given our personal background and experiences, it's good to ask ourselves these questions so that we can realign. doesn't matter how far along you are in your faith walk or if you're just starting. We need to ask ourselves these questions. What is our posture? What is our intent? And what is our plan with the Bible? And it's important to ask ourselves these questions and to realign ourselves because the enemy, the devil, he is so, so scared that we're going to pick up this book. We're going to open it. We're going to understand it. We're going to tackle it. We're going to read it. And we're going to run with it. He's so scared. Because this is by far the most powerful tool we have. By far. There's a reason this book has withstood the tests of time. Has withstood criticism. Has withstood cultural difference. And it still stands to this day. Hebrews 4.12 reads, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And so whether you've been walking with Jesus for a while now, or you have no idea who the guy even is at this point, I want you to hear that spiritual practices like prayer and reading scripture, they're not just for the fully formed. None of us know God entirely, and frankly, we never will. Not, not here. But these practices, these spiritual practices, they're designed and offered and available to us as believers to wrestle to wrestle with and through them and to hopefully bring us closer to Jesus at the end of the day. And so church, I invite and I urge you to wrestle, to challenge and to doubt because God will honor that. He'll honor the process even when it's uncertain and messy and we don't really know what we're doing. He will honor that. And through that, he will for sure transform our lives. There's no doubt about that. And so let's pray. Father, thank you for the life that you offer us the redemptive life that you offer us. When we had nothing to offer and frankly deserve nothing, that you would offer everything through your son and your word. 
And so given that, would you help us to believe and remind us of the power of the Bible, the power of your word and scripture, that it is intentional, that you have given it to us for good reason and good measure. And once we understand that, would you then help us to build a posture of humility towards the Bible, an intent, a sincere intent with the Bible to get to know you better. And then help us to create an intentional plan to tackle it. Because this word, this book, is your plan for us to get to know who you really are. And so would we stop looking towards anything else to try to get to know you, to get ours? And would we turn back to the word that you've given us from day one? And would you encourage us when it confounds us, when it offends us, when it's used against us? And would you honor, would you honor our reading of it and bless us with understanding? We pray all these things in your son's mighty name. Amen.